Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Michael Morgan, this is Shots Fired. He is the one, the only man, the myth, the legend, Kairos Bodley. Just double teaming today. Uh, well, actually, let me rewind that. <laughs> ah, <laughs> just to say it. <laughs> just, just the two of us today. There's mm. no G and there is no Chisanga. Uh, they got other stuff doing. And actually, congratulations to Chisanga. He's getting, uh, he's getting married. He's getting married again. More on that later. It's uh, it's not as dodgy as it sounds when I said he's getting married again. How have you been anyway, my good my good brother? I've been doing good. Uh, I've been doing good. There's some opportunities that have arisen for me, and I'm happy about that. You know, I can't complain. How are you? I spill the beans, then. Opportunities. Sounds That's like work. Right after this, I'm getting on a call with Cage Titans in Massachusetts. I might be their social media person for uh, nice. their events. There's yeah, no might be. Center. You are the guy. I that will be. So perfect for you. I will be, yeah. They hit me up on TikTok and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to pitch my ideas from today and like my plans and what I want to do. So I'm excited for that. That is amazing. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to celebrate with you virtually. We're going to have to get some shots yes. in to actually, you know, mark that occasion. There is no might. There is no if. There is no ands. There is no maybes. You've definitely got that gig. You are perfect for it. I'm hoping so. I'm not, I'm not hoping so. I know so. You're right. You're right. Man. Well, without further ado, we've got a few things on the docket. You know what? Let's spin the roulette and uh, mm. let's freestyle this. We've each got two subjects of which we're bringing to the table this week of the current and hot news, which uh, we're going to, I suppose, look at straight no chaser in the usual inimitable fashion that we do. First up then, I'm spinning the bottle. And it's landed on you. All right. You are gonna take us into this week's Shots Wide. Kevin Lee, the Motown phenom has just failed a USADA test. He said that there is a certain amount of concentrate in his bloodstream due to his ADHD medicine, which is above the parameters, which resulted in him being flagged by USADA. There's no press releases. There's no suspensions being handed out yet, but I'm, I think he's going to be suspended for it because why else would he tell us that he failed? They're probably going to inevitably suspend him, whether it's retroactive or whether he has to wait some time on top of what he's already been out for. But my questions are, is this going to taint the fans' perception of him, especially if he's successful when he comes back from this suspension? Or are people going to let it go, like how they let go a lot of people failing drug tests? And then a step further is, how is this going to affect him? Because he already was out for two straight years with double ACL surgeries. Then he came back and took D-Ride on, and it didn't look that impressive. And now he's going to have another huge layoff. Again, I'm wondering if this is just going to be the nail in the coffin for him. He comes back, loses, and then they cut him. Or maybe they don't even let him compete, and they just cut him for this. So um, 
there's a lot of questions. I'm scared because I like Kevin Lee. He's one of my favorite fighters on the roster, to be honest with you. Same. I'm worried. I'm worried for Kevin Lee because... You know, there was a while there that he looked fantastic. He looked phenomenal. He looked as though he was Kevin Lee 2.0. And um, it, it was almost as though, you know, he turned a corner in terms of people's perceptions of him and what he was capable of. And then we saw this lean, mean, new and improved Kevin Lee. I think it will taint his leg legacy. People will start mm. to question, will this new, improved, mean, lean fighting machine, um, where did all that come from? Because, okay, I'm not the world's most authority on PEDs or um, anything that enhances performance, but I would hazard a guess that your average MMA fan won't be as forgiving as you mm -hmm. and I in to think that, you know, this can't all be attributable to performance enhancing drugs in terms of what we've seen, because what we have seen has been nothing short of spectacular. But my worry is that, you know, the MMA fan, the average MMA fan, in their mind, he is spoiled good. He is tainted good. He is somebody who is now, in their eyes, a cheater. So yes, I do see you know, this having ramifications for him, not just in the fans' point of view or from a fan's point of view, but bearing in mind that, you know, if I remember rightly, didn't he rub Dana White up the wrong way in some of the things that he was saying publicly? I thought, um, unless I'm confusing him with someone else, that he drew the ire of the promotion, but I could be wrong. But let's just put it this way. I don't really see... Um, the UFC uh, being lenient on him. Uh, I think considering, you know, what we've seen of late, they've been very, very quick for those people mm -hmm. who aren't their needle movers to, uh, to be quite swift in how they deal with people. And yeah. they've been dealing with people quite harshly who aren't their needle movers. And for me, you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think the UFC think that Kevin Lee is a needle mover. Listen, man, I can't answer. I don't want to answer that question, all right? I don't want to answer that. This is shots fired. <laughs> don't be scared. Are you scared of me? Are you scared of the question that I'm asking? I feel like if I answer this question, it makes it reality. And in my mind, Kevin Lee's the biggest draw there is. I'm not saying nothing negative. That man, Kevin, he can have whatever he wants. Let him headline his next three fights for all I care. But yeah, in the UFC's eyes, he's not a fucking big draw. He's not. He's not, but he potentially could be. Now, I mean, would it be, considering what we've been speaking, so I'm going to ask a question of you now, considering what we've been speaking about of late, in that the UFC have, have been slow to react to mm. items when they come into the news, slow to react with gusto, slow to react with vim and vigor, in the way that they should do to reprimand their fighters when they transgress. I'm gonna ask you, should they be coming down on him like a ton of bricks, considering what we've been discussing of late? Um, should they be? Yes, considering what we've been discussing of late. I don't think so, and here's why. From the way that I'm reading it right now, it seems like this is just like a similar situation where you have a 
a fighter who doesn't like Raquel Pennington. She had she was taking medicine for her biological needs, and she ended up testing positive. But she also accumulated a higher amount of um, some sort of metabolite in her system due to the taking of the medicine, which resulted in her being suspended up until I think it's going to be November for her, and she's in, I believe she's fighting in November after the suspension so i think when it comes to when it comes to like testing positive and stuff like this i feel like you should be slow to act because too many times usada has destroyed people's careers and never ever helped them for it you saw what happened to Joel romero it tainted his name you saw what happened to um who was another fight who nick diaz got an eight-year five hundred thousand dollars suspension um not vitor uh vax murderer I cannot remember his name from like, I know his nickname. Dax Murder got a lifetime ban and like, yes, and like $250,000 of a fine just because mm. the, the use, like, it's insane how many times you saw that has just dicked people over and not helped, like, not done anything to help their careers after the fact. So um, I'm glad they're taking their time with this because I think all PED violations should have like a slow action time. But I think when we're talking about violence and crime and stuff like that, that's a completely different argument. But in terms of like actual anti-doping violations, I think they should be slow to um, act because you can never undo what you did when it's, it's like you took off eight months of someone's career with the suspension and then they were later found out in, uh, innocent. You just took a time off of their working that they will never be able to get back. Their body is their prime and you're taking that away from them. So I think you got to be slow to act with it. You are one hypocritical mother brother. I no. tell you why. Mm. We have spoken about PED in the context of John Jones before, and you were quick to anger. We have spoken about transgressions, albeit violent transgressions, of the likes of Chuck Liddell, which actually subsequently turned out that it wasn't him uh, being the, uh, the, the transgressor. But we spoke about violence and you were quick to anger. So how is it that you have selective memory? You've got selective ways in which you reprimand. You have a very, very considered view when it comes to my man, Kevin Lee. What is it between you and Kevin Lee? I know he's a friend of the show. I know he's been on Shots Fired. I know he's been on the Wocast, but why is he getting preferential treatment? I know it's Black History Month, what are you saying? He, he is not getting preferential treatment. The news just dropped today. MMA fighting just dropped an article 10 minutes ago. It's way <laughs> too early to be doing this. Like this is this is the definition of fresh off the presses. So mm. how am I going to sit here and be like, yeah, give him an eight months suspension. We don't even know the information. In fact, while you were on your escapade trying to turn everybody against me, I looked down at my phone and saw that they gave him a temporary suspension already. So excuse you, Ooh. Michael Moore. Excuse okay. you, Michael. It's temporary. They gave him a temporary suspension until they figure out what's actually going on. Talking about the John Jones situation, we see if we're going to trust USADA when they flag people, we got to trust them when they clear people. They said that the performance enhancing amount of uh, Tyranobol metabolites in his body offered no advantage. If we can't trust them with that, we can't trust them for when they say that someone's cheating them. You can't pick and that's why I'm sticking firm. I didn't, I'm not moving the goalposts. I don't move the goalposts of PEDs because I understand it's not cut and dry. Hold on. You know what I hear? Beep. Mm. 
Oh my goodness. That's you backing up. Because just a moment ago, with your chest, with your chest, you said it was too soon. As soon as you've heard now that the UFC, who seemingly sided with me, have acted and acted swiftly as they should do in these matters, you were kind of like mealy mouthed about this now. What side of the fence are you sticking on right now? Because I'm on right Kevin now, side because this is bullshit. I'm this hearing is, indecisiveness. This is an embarrassment of justice. They are making a mockery of this sport by giving him a temporary suspension about this. Here's oh. why. Here's oh. why they're making a mockery of this. It happened today. And they didn't even give him an actual amount of time for the temp. It's just listed as a temporary ban. It's like, no shit, he's under reviews. You didn't even have to put that out there. Now, when you say that, that taints the conversation even more because now they're going to say, well, then why did they give him a temporary ban? Why didn't they just not say shit? Because he's not going to be competing right now anyway because they're looking through his case. I feel like when you do things like this, you can't come back from it. People, no matter what, no, actually, Brian Ortega is the exception. People aren't giving Brian Ortega shit like they should even though he's failed. But I guarantee you this, when Yair Rodriguez comes back from his suspension from not being found by USADA, they're going to nail him to the cross. Who's another fighter who also failed? Raquel's going to get nailed to the cross for this failure in PEDs too. Ask Evan Smith, they still haven't shaken that off from her. There's some fighters, John Jones is not going away. Some fighters, it'll never go away, no matter what. And that's why I'm saying, that's why you need to act slowly with this, because of those ramifications. Now, allow me to retort. I hear this a lot from you, and it does sound like selective amnesia for how you deal with people who not necessarily uh, float your boat, aren't your flavor of the month, people who (laughs) you basically haven't got much time for. You're very selective with how you deal with them. And all I'm trying to show you is the hypocrisy in what you are saying right now. Just a week ago, you and I sat down and we discussed penalties. We discussed swiftness to anger and dealing with, dealing with indiscretions. And I thought we were on the same page in that we were saying where there is an indiscretion, where there is violence, where there is a violation, it should be dealt with with the swiftness. This has been dealt with by the swiftness and you're saying miscarriage of justice? Miscarriage of justice. It's not the same thing. We're talking about crime and violence. I'm talking about anti-doping. You gotta be careful with the anti-doping side because if you take away someone's career, they, they can never get it back. Joel Romero, had such blood, had such mud on his name for months because they thought he was a cheater. He finally proved himself innocent like a calendar year later and even sued the company and made $30 million to which he's never going to get paid. He's never going to get that money. But that's the problem. There is no recourse for when they fuck you over for anti-doping shit. I get it when you're violent and you're breaking the law and and punching rabbis and beating people's (laughs) asses in the street. Okay, we got to do something. We got to do something because you're a violent person. You're a menace to society. But the anti-doping shit is like, bro, you got to be careful so if that makes me a hypocrite fuck that i'm a hypocrite then because i'm not gonna sit here and put the gun in your head like oh you should have known better da, 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 da. there's so many stuff no 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 not gonna do it especially not to kevin lee y'all should remind me i think i'm gonna do that to kevin lee i'm gonna test your hypocritical bone every single bone facet in your body because that neatly mm-hmm. segues into the next indiscretion <laughs> and that is allegedly allegedly conor mcgregor again is in the news for an altercation. 
a yet to be famous uh, DJ in Italy, Francesco Francinetti, took to Instagram in the early hours of Sunday morning. And thank you so much, Al Zellino. If you're not following him on Twitter, he's Italy's golden child when it comes to media. I understand he's a doyon. He is the Don Dada when it comes to anything to do with tapology. But anyway, I read because of Al Zellino um, that this Francesco Facinetti had claimed that um, Conor McGregor attacked him, not only attacked him by punching him in the mouth, and there were pictures and video to actually corroborate uh, the aftermath of some kind of altercation. But the DJ also claims that his nose was broken. And this was unprovoked. This was without warning. This almost sounds as though the Italian was blindsided. He was punched suddenly in the face for no reason to quote what he said. Now, the thing is this, we talked about indiscretions. I'm gonna test your indiscretion here in terms of what punishment should be meted out now. Now, here is all the evidence set before us Again, I have to keep prefacing this by saying it's allegedly, he allegedly attacked him because there's no proof apart from what has been presented on Instagram by this nearly famous DJ. Threw a punch to the DJ's mouth that busted his top and bottom lip. He broke his nose. There was blood. Now, my question is this, I say that on the back of what you have just talked about in terms of punishment, being swift to act. What should happen in this case? Is it too soon? Should the UFC be quick to anger? Mike, you're going to love this answer. <laughs> I'm sitting down. I'm ready for it, my brother. I drag him ready. by the horses by his ankles. Drag him from horses by his ankles. You want to know why Conor deserves this? Because why? it is the accumulation of his wrongdoings. We have a pattern of violent behavior from him grabbing phones out of fans' faces and smashing them on the floor, from him getting people in his car and trying to smack phones out, from him punching elderly in the bar, from him deciding... Like this, no, 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 no. Connor deserves a temporary suspension for his wrongdoings until this is settled. Because we've seen this too many times where he gets away with what, and he doesn't get suspended. He doesn't get reprimanded. It's simply, we'll wait to see what happens. That's the difference between this case and Kevin Lee's. Kevin Lee doesn't have a rap sheet of crimes and court cases that he has fought, is fighting, or had fought in the past. Connor has and is. That's the difference here. Connor is the maker of every single one of these. Uh, I can't say atrocities. I'm not going that far. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> of all of these situations, Connor is at the center of, and more times than not, he's responsible for. He's, ple he's pleading guilty to a lot of these things. He's ending up having to do community service. He's ending up having, so it's not like, oh, they're always out here trying to get Connor. No, Connor's out here trying to ruin Connor. And this is the, 
I don't know, the fifth, sixth, seventh situation where he has not been suspended whatsoever. I think after the Habib fallout thing, he might have gotten a suspension slightly, but that was, and I didn't know, I think Habib's, um, Habib's entourage and him or the people got suspended. I don't think Connor got one, but that's my point. He isn't held accountable whatsoever. Give him his temporary suspension, just like you gave Kevin Lee, and let's call it a day. And once things start to fall and we figure it out, then you can give him more suspension time or not. Got you. Got you. Just hold your hands up now because the cops have arrived to actually take you away. That's it. That's it. Officer, that's the guy. Look, you just said out of your mouth. Let me just rephrase and uh, paraphrase, perhaps. <laughs> okay, here we go. That because of past indiscretions, we should now, with a heavy, heavy hand, come yep. down on Conor McGregor. But I said, and I was really clear about this, this event, this incident, this occurrence is alleged. Nothing to back up this DJ's claim right now, apart from a busted lip, which he could have done himself. <laughs> not saying he did. I'm just saying it could have been self-inflicted. For somebody <laughs> who has a broken nose, a busted nose, he talked about a busted nose, his nose, this DJ's nose, looked pretty straight to me. And if Conor McGregor wanted to break your nose, he'd make sure that nose <laughs> broke. Now, you're saying on the strength of one DJ, a soon-to-be-famous DJ, his say-so means that we should cart Conor McGregor off to the side and say, okay, you're on timeout. Based on say-so, but yet, yet you want to deal with Kevin Lee with kid gloves. But getting back to why I raised this, this is exactly why I raised it. This is an alleged incident with no proof, but yet without fear or favor, you have cast Connor to the curb. And I, I close. Alliteration. Listen, okay. <laughs> Just because you use alliteration doesn't make what you said correct. Here's the problem though. And the United States court system, and probably in your court system too, there are things called mitigating factors. Connor has no mitigating factors. He has a history of violent activity against fans, random people, and innocent bystanders. That is going against them when I'm looking at this situation. Kevin Lee has no prior history of doping abuse or even violence against random people. When we're looking at these situations, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at a pattern behavior here. I'm looking at a pattern behavior for better or for worse, even if you didn't do shit this time. It's because of the, all the times where you did do shit that I'm looking at you side-eyed. I can't sit here. If you robbed three banks and you're getting accused of robbing the fourth, excuse the fuck out of me for thinking he did that shit. Excuse the fuck out of me. I'm sorry if I'm a bad person for saying that, but I'm a critical thinker. I'm sitting here thinking of, he did that shit. Whatever they say he did, he did that shit. He did it. Guilty as fuck. I'm sorry. If that makes me crazy, I'm crazy. If that makes me a Connor hater, I'm a Connor hater. Whatever. Take it as you may. But these are not the two of the same situations. Connor is different from Kevin. And this has to stop. Connor has had way too many power, way too much power for far too long. I'd, I'd do the same thing for anybody else who had a pattern behavior of violence. If an example, mm -hmm. it, mm, we don't need to go down that road. No, we do. We're here already. If we got Rumble Johnson getting accused of knocking somebody out in a bar tomorrow, mm -hmm. yeah, 
because of his past history, I'm looking at him side-eyed like, I think he probably did do that shit. Is it fair? No, but he's the maker of his own situation right now. You can't have transgressions in the past and them not affect the present. There's no mitigating factors in this. Kevin Lee never gotten in trouble. Kevin Lee doesn't do bad things. Kevin Lee does not get into legal trouble. Those are his mitigating factors. His car facts, his history are coming back clean. These people's histories aren't coming back clean. That's the difference in the scenario. Case by case basis means just that. Case by case basis. I'm going to just leave this in the air. And if you want to answer it, you answer it. But I think that there is a... There's a little bit of bias going on here. I'll, I'll tell you mm. why. Whenever okay. we talk about Connor, you are always gunning him. Now, okay, okay, I might be uh, eternally sensitive about Connor McGregor because I feel like I do eternally give him a pass. But I always <coughs> notice in the stakes, in the scheme of things, whenever there is a debate, argument, or there is some kind of like argy bargy alliteration. Um, I feel as though, I feel as though you're always chirping up against Connor. And I feel as though you've got an ax to grind here. I don't think that you like him. And I think that colors your argument. I think you love Kevin Lee and that's coloring your argument. Listen. Yeah. I don't like him, but that doesn't <laughs> affect the way that I, there are so many people who I don't fucking like who I can sit here and be objective about them. There's a bunch of motherfuckers who I don't, it, but because I'm talking, it just people, mm -mm, mm -mm, no, no. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. He's wrong. <laughs> I'm calling him out on the bullshit and people can't take it. Just like with Habib, people think I'm the biggest Habib hater ever. But guess mm. what? No, mm. I'm just sick of people spreading propaganda about that man. Similar to how I'm with every single person who ever wants to push forward. I, people thought I was a hater of Calvin Cater for like a year shit because I was telling them he didn't got the best fucking boxing in the UFC. His boxing's fucking average. And people thought I was fucking nuts for it and thought I was a hater because every single time he's brought up, I'm like, nah, fuck that. He's average. Same thing with Habib. Nah, fuck that. He ain't the greatest of all time. Same thing with Khan. Nah, fuck that. He's a bad person. I'm sorry that me telling you the truth about your deities hurts y'all, but it's the reality of the situation. Deal with it, accept it, bask in it, because it's your life. Do what you want. I'm just saying, they guilty as shit. That's all I gotta say, they did that shit. Okay, well, whilst I marinate on those words and uh, lick my wounds because you were merciless there in uh, your, your summation, I'm gonna let you chime in with your second item. <laughs> as you stuff your face. For those people who are just listening to this in audio fashion, this man has got a, a whole tub of chicken that he's just digging into. And he's not even mindful of the fact that I'm sat here with my belly rumbling. But go on with your bad self. I haven't eaten all day. Here's my next topic. <laughs> Does MMA have a coaching problem? And before y'all get in here and say, he's gonna argue about it. Shut the fuck up. I'm not talking about Aspen right now. This ain't fucking about Aspen. This has been going on before her. So shut the fuck up and listen. Here's my issue with the MMA landscape. MMA has been a sport since what, 1993 officially? There are massive growing pains that sports have to endure over time because of lack of knowledge, because of a lot of people wanting to be a part of something that's new and flashy, not fully understanding what they're getting into. There's a lot of similar to 
how we were talking about the situation with Diego Sanchez and Joshua Faber. There's a lot of people who come in to different spaces solely to manipulate the parameters of what's going on because they understand that people are naive and don't know what's best for them. I think MMA is experiencing that right now with coaching. There are a lot of coaches in MMA right now who are basically fucking imposters with how they're setting up their fighters. From the way that they have them approaching the fight game, from the way that, the, that they don't have these fighters understanding the fact that maybe you shouldn't be dating your coaches. Maybe you shouldn't be dating your manager. Maybe your brother shouldn't be your financial advisor. Maybe this person shouldn't be around your lives doing these things. But yet the sport is so young and these people are so naive. They're allowing coaches to dictate everything for them to the point where it's to their own detriment. Do you want me to start naming off some coaches who seemingly, who seemingly are hurting more fighters' careers than they are helping? Of course I do. I don't Let's go. You know, you know who I'm gonna name first? Yeah. I'm just gonna list off some coaches. Bring it. And you tell me if I hit it, if I'm hitting or miss. Go. I don't think Frasa Hobby is as good of a coach as people are acting like he is right now. Miss. Top of who he currently has. Name me three fighters right now that he has in the UFC that are ranked or doing well. You know what? I've got a romanticized view of Frasa. That, that, that's not my fucking point. That's my fucking point. Every, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I'm glad you said that. Thank you for fucking admitting. That's yeah. always what fucking happens when I bring up Frasa Hobby. It's all, I got to, bro. Do not fucking mention George St. Pierre. He ain't fucking fighting. <laughs> Do not fucking mention Rory, Rory McDonald. He is not doing well right now. He's at the end of his career. He's in the PFL. Do not fucking mention him. Mm. Do not mention none of these people who walked into TriStar, was training there for a fucking year, then left and went somewhere else and was successful. Name the yeah. people that he's got right now. I'm going to name you the one fighter that he has that's successful right now. Arnold fucking Allen, and that's it. He has Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee's not doing well right now. He doesn't have consistent <laughs> fighters doing well underneath his roof, but yet he's mm -hmm. constantly labeled as one of the best minds in MMA. If you're one okay. of the best minds in MMA, why aren't your fighters being successful right now? You got me. You got me. Look, look, look my mouth is open and everything. You got, you got me. Next coach. <laughs> Next coach that we got. Okay. Mm. Duke Rufus. For, for years and years and years, they were praising Duke because he had Pettis. He had little Pettis. He had Ben. He had Tyron Woodley. What the fuck is going on right now under Duke Rufus' roof right now? Who is successful right now? Look at Tyron Woodley losing the YouTubers. Look at Anthony Pettis losing to Clay Collard in the PFL by TKO in the third, fourth, or whatever round it is. Look at Sergio. He's a champion in Bellator, and he's doing well. Look at Ben Askren, retired. Every he has no fighters actively that are doing well other than little Pettis. No one is rising up the ranks to do well unless they're in the regional circus, circuit and doing their thing there. Where are the fighters that are performing at the highest level being successful in this gym for you to be called one of the greatest minds in MMA? People weren't saying that. I wouldn't be coming at him with this type of, with this type of venom towards him because then they aren't saying he's the best coach. Another example of another fucking coach. Brett, oh, not Brett Kavanaugh. John Ka Brett Kavanaugh is in America. John Kavanaugh. Damn. Who underneath his roof, not named Connor, is doing well right now? Not a single, not, nobody's seen where the fuck Gunnar Nelson's at. Not doing well. Look at, who's the dude who just fought Terrell Santos? I can't fucking remember his name right now because he's not even been. Johnny Walker, doing fucking terrible right now. Smile in between rounds of a fight that he's losing. 50-45, 50-44. Bitch, what the fuck are you doing? And why is your coach letting you do that? What is going on in that gym? Another gym that is, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to rest my case. My point is there are a lot of coaches at the highest of levels being touted as the best coaches in the game right now mm. that aren't doing well and no one's talking about. So I can only imagine 
what's going on with the coaches at the entry level and the intermediary level taking advantage of these fighters and not being held accountable ever. That's my point. It's not to knock Thras Sahabi. It's not to knock John Cavanaugh. It's not to knock Rufus Sport. It's not to knock Alliance or Syndicate MMA. It's to knock the sport for not holding these people accountable and watching as they destroy these fighters' careers. That's my point. You know, a part of me wants to rip you a new one and say, <laughs> how dare you bring up the names of John Kavanaugh and Faraz Zahabi and, and, and talk about their repertoire and forget about their legacy, forget about their foundation, forget about what they have done in the past. Just because right now the fighters that they're coaching, the fighters that they're new, uh, nurturing, the fighters that they are mentoring aren't doing that great. That's not to say that their coaching has been subpar, has gone below what is expected or is not fit for purpose. It's basically the way of MMA. You win some and you lose some. I'll just put it to you this way. You, my brother, are one of the most talented people I've seen on social media. You, when you put a post out there, it bangs every single time. So what happens next year, mid-July, when your posts aren't banging? Are you a shit content creator? Oh, hold on a minute. Yes. But, but no, but you're not. You're not. Peaks and troughs come with this industry, regardless of whether it's content creation within MMA, whether it's fighting within MMA and coaching within MMA. You can't write off somebody just because right now they're not doing too good. They're not doing too bright. They're not actually excelling and exceeding in the way that you would like them to. You can't write off a legacy. I wouldn't write off your legacy. And I don't think that you should write off theirs. I could cite you numerous examples in terms of people that aren't doing too well right now, aren't at the epitome of their game, aren't at the level that we came into the sport seeing them at, whether they be presenters, journalists, whether they be content creators, whether they be media outlets, you have to see this for what it is, peaks and troughs. Okay. So you now writing them off, Tam, you're hard. Listen, this is the issue. Maybe I shouldn't have said their shit now, but what I am saying <laughs> yes. is this. You okay. aren't as good as you were formerly perceived or currently perceived for that matter. You aren't as good as, because here's the problem. What's the difference that separates a person at the top from the mm. person who was at the top? Longevity. You have to understand for you to be considered the top of the upper echelon in your field, you not only have to be at the top of your field, you need to stay at the top of your field. There's a reason why Ariel Hawani is held one of the greatest journalists in MMA right now, because he's at the top, he's sitting at the top, and no one's fucking passing him right now. No Boom. one's passing I'm, him right now. I'm glad you raised Ariel Hawani. To many people, the epitome of the sport was ESPN. Now, just like Ariel, I can actually relate to that, because having worked with ESPN, I thought I'd made it. I thought I'd got to the top of the mountain and no one, first of all, was going to topple me from there. And it doesn't get any better from that. But you come down from the mountain. But that doesn't actually question your pedigree. Why should it? 
Here's Why should it? He's Our no longer on, on, at ESPN, but he's still at the top of his game. Were people saying you were the, were people saying you were one of the biggest names in MMA media though, when you were at ESPN? No. Compared to no. now. That's the thing. You have people touting you as these things. And that's why I say you were not at the level, not you, but in the terms of this argument, you were not at the level that you were perceived to be. That's the whole okay. difference in the scenario. Mm. These, those, those gyms and those coaches that I named off, so many people perceive them to be the top of the game in MMA based off of the past, not currently the grading scale that we're looking at right now. They say that this is a game of what have you done for me lately for a reason, similar to other sports. That's why I brought the fact in that MMA is such a young sport. People don't have the long eye view. There's a reason why Nick Saban is at the top of the pinnacle when we talk about best college coaches in college football. He has been at the top of the game and had a stranglehold on college football for a decade plus and it doesn't matter that his best players are going to the league and no longer playing and no longer playing for him he reloads brings in new guys puts them underneath their system and underneath his system and they are successful in the system and when they go to the league similar to how you have greg popovich for the spurs in the nba does that matter he puts them in their system they flourish they're successful and he is also successful these are people who are talked about at the top of the game. The second Nick Saban isn't doing well, the second Greg Popovich ain't doing well, they're not living up to the name. They aren't living up to the acclaim, which has never happened and has not happened yet because they have longevity, which makes them at the top, which is the whole argument. These people that you guys swear, swear are the greatest, downright willing to sacrifice your firstborn baby child for their honor. They aren't. They aren't that anymore. They aren't that right now. Sarah Sahabi is struggling. I'm not saying he's a shitty coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying he's not one of the greatest coaches in MMA right now. Duke Rivers is not one of the greatest coaches in MMA right now. I'm sure if they made a list of top 30, top 50, they would be on the list. I'm not saying they're bottom 400. I'm saying they're, they're going to be top 20, top 10. But for y'all to act like they're top fucking three, they aren't. They aren't. For now. That's the point. For now. <laughs> You know, speaking of for now, I think that neatly segues into what's happening right now. And that is we've got a stacked weekend of fights coming up. We've got KSW 64, Bellator 269 and UFC Vegas 41. Now in that, I'm gonna neatly shoehorn the fact that, you know, it is still Black History Month and representing us in uh, KSW 64 is Jason Radcliffe. And at um, UFC Vegas 41 will be Johnny Herbert. Now, honorable mention, brother from another mother, uh, my Welsh brother, Mason Jones. Um, he's also representing on UFC Vegas 41. The reason I, I raise that because I make a big thing every single week. These are the MMA Brits abroad. These are the people that you should be looking at, concentrating on. These are the people that you need to take note. And I just wondered, I wanted to get, get the temperature out there because through my British lens, I big up these individuals. I big up the fact that, you know, Mason Jones comes from a fantastic um, line of fights. And the same with, um, you know, Aiden Lee. He comes from a good pedigree in terms of the stable that he's in right now. But the, the question is this, am I out of pocket in thinking the 
casual or not even the casual, the hardened UFC fan on the stateside uh, broadcast when they're watching that, when they've actually you know tuned in, they're not really paying the Brits much mind because I just get that vibe whenever I'm I'm on Twitter that you're not really looking at your cousins over here with the same kind of awe and the same kind of like, um, uh, I suppose, admiration as obviously us biased Brits over here. And I, I just wanted to ask, you know, have I got that twisted? And no, if I have got it twisted, who are those Brits that you guys really do rate, really do put up on a pedestal? No, you're right. And here's the reason. If you were, I'll give you this stuff. Mm. If you're in the UFC, you'll you'll receive a little bit of a little bit of burn from the United States fans. A little bit. I'm not gonna sit here and act like it's it's like, wow. oh my gosh, he's you'll you receive a little. But if you're on the regional scale, it's next to nothing. Straight wow. up. Like for you to for I'm an MMA fan who watches multiple promotions, but if you're a UK fighter, for you to pop up on my radar, you gotta be on a crazy fucking run. You got to okay. be on a crazy run for me to see you pop up on my radar. And I'm just going to, mm -hmm. that's just me personally. I'm not, I'm going to keep it real. Because mm. there's a lot of other people who are on the regional circuit who are just killing it, who are in my side of the country, who I'm hearing stuff about, where I'm seeing articles about on my favorite websites and seeing them popping up on the third and the fourth and the fifth page. I don't see that much acclaim for UK fighters on the, on the websites that I'm looking for. Like, I'll give you an example. You, you put me on a Mohammed Mokayev like yeah. a year or two ago, a year or two ago. For some reason, I've been seeing him pop up everywhere everywhere mm. now mm. Over, i don't think that's going to happen for a lot of uk fighters i don't know if it's because publications just are having a hard time finding them as well or maybe they're disinterested but if they are not in the premier promotion or in bellator for that matter i don't think many people are going to receive them and accept them as much as you would like or think they should be to be 100 wow. if it's not if they are not i'm gonna tell you right now if they're not mvp larone murphy um Leon is starting to, Leon, I'm telling you this right now, they are trying to get Leon the fuck out of here. If Leon loses fight, what little buzz that we want him to have or that he already has is going to dwindle because they are against him. And that's wow. the problem. I'm, those are the names right there that are y'all's biggest names to stateside fans. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's kind of like uh, really burst my bubble, to be honest with you. Because as I say, I put out these, these tweets uh, MMA Brits abroad, and they do relatively okay. What I get about what thirty odd likes, and you know, get about I don't know twenty retweets, and you know, it, it makes me feel as though the audience is not just British who are appreciating that. And what you just said there is is quite sad. It just means that you know us as MMA media in the UK need to work damn sight harder, perhaps. Uh, I suppose influencing the discussion around British mixed martial arts and yes. British mixed martial artists, where you guys respect and kind of like have the same kind of salivation every time that we have when a British fighter is on the bill. It's gotten to the point where it's like that. That's the that's the only remedy for it. Mm. Like I guarantee you this: if you ask the average person on MMA Twitter, who's Molly McCann? I don't, I don't think too many people are going to be like, oh yeah, I know X, Y, Z, she fought, she fought Tyler Santos. She fought, I don't think too many people are going to know. Okay. It's, like that's, that's the whole. And I think that if these names and stuff are constantly being pushed out in their favor, mm. it's going to help mm. versus just them competing and putting on excellent, like 
Leon is on a run right now and it doesn't matter because his name is never being charted in a positive light. Wow. That's the biggest issue. And I think that if you're constantly seeing them in positive lights on Twitter, on websites, on other apps of social media, MMA related, that's going to change the tide a lot. And a lot of your, and a lot of UK fighters too, aren't putting themselves out there on social media. Like I, I'm on TikTok every single day, searching for fighters, watching their stuff, seeing what they do. You don't see too many UK fighters on TikTok. You don't, <laughs> I don't, I can't even think of one right now. Wow. Can't even think of one right now, especially even on the UFC level. Can't think of one. Cannot. Okay. Well, to close the show then, I've told you the runners and riders that I'll be looking out for across these various promotions. And that is at uh, KSW64. I'm looking forward to seeing Jason Radcliffe. At uh, Bellator, Bellator 269, I'm looking forward to seeing um, Aiden Lee and Jai Herbert and Mason Jones is who I'm looking forward to seeing on UFC Vegas 41. Out of all of those, because there is a lot of martial arts action happening this weekend, we're spoiled for choice. What are you looking forward to? Um, it's unfortunate because last week Bellator actually took beat the UFC with um, mm. put on good fights, but I don't think that's this week. I don't think. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think the only name that's the only fight that's bringing my attention on the UFC card is Kama Worthy and Jai Herbert. I'm not, I'm not a huge Jai Herbert fan and I'm mm. not watching it for him per se. I'm mm. watching because mm. I understand Kama Worthy is a fucking badass. And yeah. I, hopefully this is going to be a good ass fight. Like I, that's what I want to see. But like, with the cards this weekend, I'm not going to sit and be like, and sell y'all and be like, these are the greatest cards you've ever seen because it is what it is. This is what happens. Yeah. It's yeah. down weeks. I'm with you there. And I'm, I'm just hoping, I'm just really hoping against hope because Kamaworthy is such a killer. Mm-hmm. And Jai Herbert, he doesn't really come to run away from conflict, run away from strikes, run away from the fire. Um, that is definitely going to be my one to watch this coming weekend as well as all the rest that I've mentioned but until then are we doing the spaces this weekend or we uh, we uh, we, we uh, suck it and see I'm going to start doing more spaces yes I'm going to start doing them more because I realize y'all don't want to do them anymore I got to be the person to put it together now I can't rely on y'all anymore alright <laughs> okay so our listeners and viewers will be able to catch us this coming weekend at a space near you. Until then, the guns are back in our holsters and this has been Shots Fired. Peace. <laughs>